Hello, and welcome to Modern Homemakers. I'm Leah Parker, and I'm here with Donna Otto, and she will be continuing from our uh, podcast from this early this week about finding a mentor and being a mentor, which is also the name of a book. Yes. That's a part of a giveaway that we'll talk about <laughs> at the end of the episode. Um, but yes, we're we're here talking, continuing the lesson from before. Okay, so what have you heard? I've heard a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Every word. <laughs> Every word I've heard. I mean, I think that the biggest obstacle to mentoring is feeling over responsible at least that's the word I use is that you have to have it all together and that you have to Mm. know you have to have done things perfectly in order to be in some sort of authority to speak to somebody and really mentoring is more listening than talking yes and it's just sharing sharing where you struggled sharing where you succeeded sharing what the Lord taught you or lessons you're still trying to learn maybe yeah that's right and you it's a great word you used uh, authority Mm. because like we talked about that earlier yeah nobody wants authority Mm. nobody wants to be told what to do and um but i can see and you're certainly not the first person who said this there's a in my mind I, i see sort of the roof line the roof line of a house you know you come to the peak i feel like we want to get underneath that roof line. We want to be underneath some protection. Mm-hmm. And I think with mentoring, there's less need for that because you're not a teacher. You're giving your perspective life away. And if someone wants to hear that, and then that, that some someone, and often we find it's someone who's like you, it's someone who's watched something you've done, uh, who you married, how you live, how you dress, how you love Christ, certainly. But but so but that sense of but I don't have the answers and I don't know what to do. You know, I think Leah that if if I were your age now, and someone said to me, it's really better if you're not an authority, because in my case I was a teacher. Mm-hmm. And if you're a Bible teacher, quote unquote, you have some authority. It really meant I just knew more about the Bible than most people because I studied it to teach it. That that's just was my job. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a very good point. The first thing I wanted to say today is in some ways uh, part of what Leah just said, and that is, like, who does the asking? Mm. Now, from the Titus passage... And from that list of relationships, it is, generally speaking, the older person who says to the younger person, hey, let's hang out. Hey, you want to be my disciple? Hey, you know, Elijah and Elisha. It's usually. doesn't mean that it always is. I'll never forget an older woman who asked a young woman, if she would mentor her, she had just come to faith. She was 65 or 68 years old. And there was a girl in her neighborhood who was 45 or 46. And she was a Bible teacher. And I said, well, you know, that's not really mentoring. But she said, no, I want, I don't want her to teach me the Bible. I want her to teach me how to live life. I've missed so many years of knowing how to do it. So it's okay if someone is younger and asks you. It's okay if you are the older and ask them, whatever the way, do it, okay? I have a lot of auto mottos and they're somewhere on our website also. And one of my auto mottos is, you are who you hang out with, period. 
Who do you hang out with? I can tell you. You're trying to do what they do. You're doing it together. Uh, pray about the person who is the man, the person you're to invite. Pray about, pray with that person and pray for that person. Uh, before you even begin this relationship, practice your faith by praying about what God would call you to do and using your discernment. Um, start with a good beginning. If you're the younger woman inviting the older women, do not say, I'd like you to mentor me for the rest of my life. Or I'd like you to mentor No, no. Any wise woman is going to run away from that and say, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I would never say I'm going to rest, mentor you for the rest of your life. Um, start with something realistic. Do you suppose we could have coffee together? I'm really interested in finding a mentor. Could we meet a couple of times and see if we both thought it would be a good fit for us? Remember, as I said the other day, this is not your mom. I'm sorry if you don't have a close relationship with your mom. A lot of people in the world don't. I find it incredible when you do statistically relational information. Uh, the majority of women do not have a close relationship with their mother. They they just don't. Uh, the, the statistics are much more slanted to being a fewer women who have good relationships with their mothers. Sometimes those relationships are good with their mothers because they have no other relationships. They don't have friends. They have few friends and they guard themselves. And so their moms, of course, love them to death and love them first and most. So don't be daunted by that. And don't try to make her into your mom. Uh, don't have an agenda aside from gaining strength in the course of life. Don't come and say, my husband and I are about to divorce. My children are a wreck. My house is a wreck. Would you help me? Would you mentor me? You know, you put your best foot forward. Put your best foot forward. Uh, my Aunt Pat, who I often talk about, and I... I wonder sometimes when I think about her, what was it about her? And uh, as I was preparing for today, I was thinking she was a very sweet woman. I think she was quite bright, but she barely finished high school. She and my uncle um, decided to start their family before they were married. and um, But... She stayed at home. She never worked. Oh, for a while she worked as, uh, there was a big attorney's club in downtown Chicago and um, kind of a swanky place. And they hired waitresses. And my aunt worked in that place for a while. It was kind of fun. We would go down there for lunch from time to time. But she cooked and she sewed and she baked and she had people in her home, her house lived hospitality. I could not walk into my own house and go to the refrigerator and open the door to see if there was something in there without my mother saying something like, what are you doing in there? But when I got to my aunt's house, I could open the refrigerator. There was always something freshly baked. I could have it. I didn't have to ask if I'd had it. Uh, we sat at her kitchen table hours after hours. Um, she taught me how to cook to bake, to knit, to crochet, to embroider, to sew, to be hospitable. And it was in my life with my relationship with my aunt that helps me give you one of my mottos. Do what you can do. Do what you can do. My aunt has been gone for 52 years. 
which is a greater portion of my life than, she, than I had her. And in June, we'll celebrate that 52nd anniversary of her passing. She never saw me host a party or a garden wedding or write a book or do a TV interview. She never saw me do any of those things. I've come to understand that we affect four generations with everything we do. And my aunt's effect on me it was profound. And what she said to me once in a sewing project. So those of you who are sewers, you're going to love this story. And my aunt said, do you want to learn to sew? I said, yes. So what would you like to make? And I said, well, what I'd like to make is a jumper. And it has a side zipper. And it's lined. And the lining of the jumper, I'd like to make a shirt to match it that has a tie at the collar. Now, are you laughing yet? I mean, like for your first project, this is the, um, has all the complicated, a side zipper, just a zipper is complicated, much less a side zipper, which meant it all had to be perfectly fitted. And then there was a lining on the inside of it. And the fabric I chose was not a good fabric for the lining. My aunt never said a word. She said, okay, okay, okay. And we began the project and we cut and we sewed. It was beginning to take shape. And when we got to the zipper, she had an old-fashioned sewing machine, a trindle machine. And you push the bottom with your foot and the sewing machine worked. And I was sitting in front of it and she was sort of sitting to my right. And I was doing everything wrong, pulling it out, ripping it out, starting again, pulling it out, ripping it out, starting again. And finally, she kind of sat down closer to me on the bench, and she scooched me. You know, she gave me a little wiggle with her hip and another little wiggle until she was in front of the sewing machine and I was on the edge of the bench. And she said these powerful words, never forgotten it. Donna, do what you can do. Donna, do only what you can do. I will never forget a time that I was being encouraged by people in my community, you know, encouraged to speak out for our country about child abuse and abortion and divorce and war and terrorism. And, and I, you should go to the Senate floor and say these things. And I remember getting this full head of steam, like, maybe I should, maybe I should. And I could hear my Aunt Pat's voice. Donna, do what you can do. She was right. I never went to the Senate floor, but I want you to know, just yesterday, a woman called me, and she, she is the granddaughter of a daughter that I taught, the granddaughter. And she said, I was listening to your show with my six-month-old baby. Thank you so much. That's what I could do. What is God calling you to do? Do what you can do. Don't look around and look for something else to do. And then, dear Elizabeth, who for so many of us is known for do the next thing. What is that you can do? Do the next thing. What is the next thing? It always surprises me how when I'm doing the next thing, the next thing becomes clear. But I have to do the next thing until I can see it. So older women, that's what you're called to do. 
do the next thing. So I want to end our time by giving you five different titles, okay? Or maybe it's six. Older woman, mentor, discipler, coach, spiritual director, counselor. Uh, all these words do not mean the same thing. They're, they're different. They come at it with a different, there are uh, hordes more, authors, professors, pastors. Many people say that they were mentored by someone who's dead because they read all of their books and it changed the course of their life. That's, that's a fact. They were mentored. I'm asking you to be the older women. And if I were in your church or your community, I would say, will the older women please stand up? And I can still remember the first time I did that, nobody moved. Like, they just looked at me like, must be her, you know, must be one the next to me. So would the older woman please stand up? I said it again. And finally, I said, would anyone who has a gray hair on their head please stand up? So we don't like this concept of old. The generations to follow like it less and less old. We don't want to be called old. We don't want to be thinking about getting old. Some of us at 42 are saying, I think I'm old or I'm on the second half of life. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You're just beginning to find your way. Um, Ken Dykroll did a wonderful study facing the facts about who the baby boomers were. And they, he quoted them by saying, generally speaking, the baby boomers would rather vomit than be called a senior. Okay, we the gray hairs of your head, Proverbs tells us, the gray hairs of your head are the crown of glory and are found in the way of righteousness. My grandmother on my mother's side was that woman. Even in her dementia, she lived in our home for a season. And I woke up one night and could hear her voice. And I, it was loud and I thought she was in need. And I walked down to her room. And I heard her. And she was speaking eloquent sentences about people she loved. She was praying. There wasn't one word that wasn't coherent and current and founded in the word. And I knelt at the foot of her bed and cried, just cried my heart out. I thought, in the daytime, she is reading a magazine that's 12 years old and upside down, literally. But in the heart and the head of her glory in God, she was found in righteousness and she could pray, even in her days of dementia. So my grandmother reminded me that a gray head is the crown of glory. It is a fond way to gain righteousness. Uh, instead, we jazzercise the rose of thighs and beauty thighs for all sorts of things. Over-the-hill stuff is never a good idea to be talked about. Talking about dust of one day and fire consuming our bodies, uh, those are things that are not favored today. There's a small little piece I like to read. I shall not mind, it's called... I shall not mind the whiteness of my hair or that slow steps falter on the stair or what strange image greets me in the glass. If I can feel as roots feel in the sod that I am growing old before the face of God. Do what you can do and do it with an attitude of being glad that that's who you are and where you are. 
The second word, which we've talked about these last two days, is the word mentor. It really is found in the Odyssey. Um, He was a man. Uh, He went off to leave his child and fight the Trojan War and left him with a man whose name was Mentor. No, the pastors were right. It's not found in the Bible by name and title, but it is found in all sorts of relationships. And one of the relationships I want to just remind you of is the Elizabeth and Mary relationship. The Elizabeth older cousin and Mary, the woman who had to be the mother of Christ and just discovered that she is great with child and has not had a human relationship. When I think of what that must have been like, sparks flying, spirit leading encouragement from Elizabeth to Mary. Another word is a discipler, and that's a purposeful word. Often I think when people ask me to disciple them that they're really asking me to train them in doctrinal truths. So God doesn't call all of us to do that, but if he's calling you to mentor, he's calling you to be in relationship, and he's calling you to know him better. I promise you, as you begin to build relationships with the younger women, you will study the word differently. You will read things differently. You will look for things to have connection um, with your younger woman. The fear of aging is talked about in Ecclesiastes 8. The fear of failing is talked about in places when we are called to honor the word of God and not dishonor one another. The fear of being arrogant or intrusive, and I love Corey Tim Boom, who said, did you think that the donkey who carried Jesus into Jerusalem thought those applause was for the donkey? The fear of being selfish because we want to give some of our part of our life away, or the fear of being vulnerable in saying, You know, one day my husband and I, the question I often say to young women, um, how many of you ever thought you wanted to divorce your husband? You know, they look around for, they look around. And and then I say, it's okay, everybody thought it. (sighs) How many of you have ever wished you'd never met your husband? They look around again. These are thoughts we have because we're human. But a woman who is older than you, who thought those thoughts and lived through it and recognized what it means to be unselfish and vulnerable and to engage your life with a human being for all the days of your life will help you do that. We often talk about these hearts, and I'd like to just remind you that the work, according to Timothy, happens in the classroom of the heart, not culturally, not educationally. I know that knowledge is king and education is queen in the world we live in, but that's not where mentoring works. That's not what's necessary. It happens to daughters of your heart. I have one daughter, but I have many daughters of my heart, and I am grateful for their lives. I am grateful for the things they've taught me. I am grateful for the things I've been willing, um, they've been willing to let me share with them. And it is written on, as Paul calls it, the tablets of the human heart. I was at a Young Life event not long ago, and there were testimonies being given, words of encouragement, and um, Luis stood up in a very broken Hispanic accent, which I could never replicate. 
I hope you can hear it. He looked over at a young man and he said, he is my fruit. That is exactly right. When you engage in relationships with younger women and the mentoring relationships, these women become just as Jorge said, fruit, fruit of our lives. And God, God calls us to bear fruit. There's also water of the heart. As the woman who washed Jesus' feet and wept and wiped his feet with her tears, I promise you there will be much water of your heart in heartbreak. And lastly, there will be refreshment in the heart. And Philemon, he says, yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord by the refreshment of my heart. I pray that because we uh, live in a culture that has difficulty starting and staying, that you will be a man or woman who rises up from the earth and says, I will mentor, I will start, and I will stay. Thank you so much for joining us here at Modern Homemakers. Mm. I love that. I love our lives impact the next four generations. Just yeah. on an average, I don't don't know how they measure it. I don't want to get too far, but I, I like the idea of that, that what we're doing today, we may not see the fruit of, but it will impact the future generations. And remember, we are modern homemakers, and remember the common begin and the uncommon finish go out and today make uncommon by doing what you can do yes and just one more time as a reminder we are running a giveaway for the book finding a mentor being a mentor if you go to the website modernhomemakers.org clicked on the connect button and you give us your name your email address the name of the person you're mentoring just the first name we don't need any more information than that and your physical address. If you're one of the first 20 people to do that, we will send you a book. Thanks for listening.